For years, great rescues have been happening. We watched them on the news. We watched them on YouTube. We watched them on Twitter, and they just they capture. But the greatest rescue mission of all time happened 2,000 years ago, when God put skin on and He left heaven and He came here to Earth to find you and to find me. It was the greatest rescue mission of all time. We spent all of Easter weekend celebrating that rescue. Why in the world would God do that? I love the way the great writer and pastor Max Lucado said it. He said, God never gives up, not ever. So the next time doubt walks in, escort him out, out to the hill of Calvary, out to the cross where the holy blood, holy hands wrote the promise. Listen to what he said. God would give up his only son, before he would ever give up on you. And the crazy part about that rescue mission was it wasn't just a mission where he would come and find us. When he found us, he had to pay a ransom, and the ransom was his own blood that cost him his life to buy you back and to buy me back. It's the greatest rescue mission that's ever happened. We needed it. We couldn't do it ourselves, and so God sent Jesus to do it for us and to do it on a cross and an empty tomb so we could celebrate it years later. It was a great weekend. Last weekend at Easter, we had almost, right out with the kids and everything, almost 5,000 here on our campus last weekend. Some of them just left the parking lot the other day. They finally got out of the, the parking lot to head home. So, but we're really glad you're back as we wrap this up today. So I want you to take your Bible, turn to the book of Acts. That's where we're gonna camp out here in just a second. Go ahead and get ahead to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, Jesus in his final prayer that we have recorded when he was out praying for those that were going to come after him, he made this comment. He said, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. A great rescue mission always involves a plan, and God has a plan too for his rescue mission that we're going to talk about today. So would y'all stand with me in honor of reading God's word together? We're going to read Acts chapter 16, start reading down in verse 25. So let me set the story up real quick. Um, there's a guy who wrote the majority of the New Testament. His name was Paul. Paul wrote... Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, who wrote 1st and 2nd Timothy and wrote many other books in the New Testament, but he didn't begin that way. That wasn't the beginning for Paul. Paul's name was Saul. Saul was a persecutor of the church. Jesus rises again, and all of a sudden, a furor begins to happen. I mean, it was crazy. Followers were everywhere. And so the Jewish authorities and the Romans, they were trying to extinguish these Christians. In fact, Saul was what formerly known as Saul was one of those guys. The day he met Jesus, he was on a road to a little town called Damascus. His job was to extinguish the fire that had started. And you did that by not saying, hey guys, don't meet anymore. You did that by saying, hey, we're going to kill you for your faith. Well, on that journey, he meets this man named Jesus. A blinding light strikes him down and says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And changed his life. It changed his name to Paul. Paul begins what we call all these missionary journeys. This is his second one. The book of Philippians was written because of this journey that he was on. I want to tell you this now. Here's the interesting part about the journey. He didn't have any intention of going where he went. Every door kept getting shut where he wanted to go, and he ended up in this little town where we find him today. They healed a little girl 
who they were using there in this town and the authorities put he and Silas was his little companion on the trip Timothy he put he and Silas in jail Acts 16 verse 25 about midnight Paul and Silas help me out Paul and Silas were doing what They, they were doing two things what were they doing they were and then they were what hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them now they've not broken a law they've not done anything wrong and he and Silas are in the prison cell praying and singing to Lord if I were in a prison cell for something I didn't do I would be praying but I wouldn't be singing all right and so that's the way I'd be praying God break me out God help me get out of here this isn't fair and suddenly there was a great earthquake and the foundations of the prison were shaken so Paul and Silas are singing the prisoners are listening in and immediately all the doors opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened all right this is an incredible story but how many of you would say if the doors had opened and the the shackles had come off your, your little family would have been heading out of that jail. Raise, raise your hand if you'd have been with me, all right? You'd have followed me out. You ever on an airplane and they go, you know, you're sitting in an exit aisle. Can we count on you to open the door and hold it for all the other passengers? And I always say, no, but you can count on me to open the door. They can follow me out, all right? And so that's the way. That's the way I'd have been in this prison. That's not the way Paul and Silas were. And everyone's bronze were unfastened. When the jailer woke, saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword... And he was going to kill himself, supposing the prisoner escaped. See, it was an ex-Roman guard. It was sort of the last stop on the, the train for the guard. And they, you lose your prisoner, you lose your life. So he was going to go ahead and end his own life because he knew what prisoners wouldn't leave. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights, and he rushed in, trembling with fear. He fell down before Paul and Silas. It's really interesting. He was asleep, but it makes you think he heard what they were singing. He knew what they were in jail for. He brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be what? What does he say? Say, he doesn't know anything but what he's heard from their mouths. He doesn't know anything but what he's seen from their lives. And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus. You will be saved, you and all your household. Do you know that if a, if a man comes to know Christ, there is a 92% chance his children will follow. Isn't that interesting? You and your household will be saved. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him, to all those who were in his house. He took them the same hour of the night. He washed their wounds. He was baptized at once. He and all his family. One of the greatest stories in Scripture. And we're going to talk about its significance to us today. Would you pray with me? Father, may we see ourselves as a part of someone else's story. If Paul and Silas weren't where they were, they wouldn't have experienced what they experienced. God, may in these next few minutes we see our part in your plan, whether we think we deserve to be in it or not whether we think that, that it should include us or not, God, may we see today that you want to use us. And that is my prayer, and I pray it in Jesus' name.
Amen. Before you're seated, find three people around you and thank them for coming to North Star after Easter. Would you? Thank you for coming. All right, all right, all right. You can be seated. And it's so good to see you guys. It's, I've been looking forward to today as we wrap up the series. You know, God's got a pretty amazing plan. What I know is sitting in this room, we have people literally from all walks of life. We have people that do lots of different occupations. We had a couple people at North Star have a really big week. I'm going to tie it in here in a second, but we had a really big week this week. Sweet lady right here on the end of the second row, Miss Megan Bell was recognized as the Cobb County Schools Volunteer of the Year. Would y'all let Megan know how proud you are of her? You're embarrassed, but I, it's my job. I get the microphone. I get to do this. And then Dr. Benji Morrell, one of our favorite North Star guys, was selected as the new principal of Pickett's Mill Elementary School. Y'all let Benji know how proud you are for him. Got a text last night, one of our kids, it comes to the 11 o'clock service, part of our uh, college ministry wave on Tuesday nights, Darnell Holland was signed by the New Orleans Saints to a con free agent contract last night. Would y'all let Darnell know how you're proud of him? I sent him a note last night and said, I hope you run good every game, but when you play the Falcons, all right? And so, but anyways, not that God didn't want to use him then. But anyways, so I want you to, there's a little blank, first little blank there in your outline. God has a plan to rescue the world. See that? God has a plan to rescue the world. It's the church. God has a plan to rescue the world, and it's the church. See, this plan started by him sending Jesus. Man needed rescue. Man couldn't do anything about it, so he sent his son Jesus. But here was the deal, big piece of the story. Jesus lived 33 years. He died. He was on earth. After the resurrection, we know for 40 days, lots of people began to believe, but then he left again. He went back to heaven, and he left 11 disciples and his followers, which at this point, there's about 70 to 120 followers at this point of this man named Jesus, and he leaves them with a story. Now, that was 2,000 years ago. It's 2019. And here we sit in Ackworth, Kennesaw, Georgia, and you and I found out about who Jesus was. How in the world did that happen? Because somebody told you the story. You didn't end up here probably because you were driving down Blue Springs Road. You ended up here because there's something about it. You saw somebody, you knew somebody, you met them volunteering at a school, you met them as a principal, you met them as a real estate agent, you met them as a banker, you met them as a coach, you met them as a friend, you met them as a roommate, you met them as a teammate, and there was something different about them, and there was something about their life that was, it was just had a different purpose than your life. And you were inquisitive. It may have been a grandmother, grandfather. It may have been a mom or a dad or an aunt or an uncle that introduced you to church, who introduced you to Jesus. And here we sit in this room today. We may not be a follower yet, but we're interested, whether we're sitting in True North or we're watching up in, in, um, on the patio or sitting in Compass. There was something that grabbed our attention. We are part of the story. I want you to write at the top of your outline that little phrase. We are part of the story. 
On your outline, I want you to write this little thought under that. God has put me where he's put me for a reason bigger than me. Would you write that down? God has put me where he's put me for a reason bigger than me. And some of us sit in there and go, well, Mike, that's where I have to disagree with you. If I was here in life, I would agree with you. The job I want, the family I want, the cul-de-sac I want to live in, the team I want to be on. If I would believe that if it were here, but I'm here. I didn't have any intention of being where I'm at, doing what I'm doing. I think I'm here by accident. All right, let's, let's just stop here real quick. How many of you are in your 20s? Raise your hand. Good, a good number of you guys. This is really early for y'all. I'm impressed, all right? And so, congratulations. Uh, how many of y'all are in your 30s? Raise your hand. Good number of 30s in here. How many of y'all are in your 40s? How many of y'all are in your 50s plus? 50s plus. You're here because you couldn't sleep in anyways, all right? And so, you're gonna get up. We had a 7 a.m. service. You'd be there. You're already awake. All right, so how many of you, though, no matter what age you are, you would say, when I was planning out my life in high school and I was dreaming of where I would live, Northwest Cobb County, Ackworth, Kennesaw, Paulding, probably wasn't on my radar. Raise your hand, all right? It, it's not that we don't love it. We're just, well, I don't know how I ended up here, right? I mean, that's the way I look at it. I truly, I moved here in 1991. This is a true story. Moved here in 1991. If you lived in the Kennesaw area in 1991, Kennesaw wasn't a whole lot to write home about in 1991. You cross the railroad tracks downtown Kennesaw, and then there's wild bands right there, right? And there was a sign that came up shortly thereafter, a wild man's that said, Olympics go home, all right? And that's what, if you lived in Kennesaw, you saw the sign. I remember moving here going, I'm going to be here only for a short period, and then God's going to move me on to my next stop. It's just a, it's just a fluke thing I ended up here. That's what I thought. It was a fluke thing that Paul and Silas ended up in prison. They didn't want to be there. This wasn't plan A. This was like plan C. They tried one spot. God said no. They tried another spot. God said no. And they ended up right where they were, and it wasn't an accident. I remember the summer before North Star started, I got a call from a great church in Dallas, Texas, and it was double the size of mine, double the salary, double all the stuff. And I remember going, I think I need to go out there. And my dad goes, do you really want to move to Dallas, Texas? And I said, not really, but it's a great opportunity. And dad said, if you don't feel led there, don't even go visit. And I didn't. If I had gone on that trip, we would not be sitting in this room today. And I thought it was a mistake. God, you've forgotten me. I am still here in Ackworth and Kennesaw. God, this was a stop on my ladder of success. What happened and God went, you were never on the ladder, son, all right? And so you, know, you just put, grow, your, grow your roots where you are. Bloom where you're planted. And that's what Paul and Silas did. We learned some great lessons from these stories. Principle number one, how can God use me to rescue others? Look around at those that God has put in my path. Look around at those that God has put in my path. Tomorrow morning when you get up, before you head into the office, Here's what I want you to pray. Now, here's the word I want you to write up beside it. Ready? Spiritual eyes. Would you write that down? Spiritual eyes. 
means this. God, help me see people the way you see them. Give me spiritual eyes. Let me tell you what happens when you begin to live this way. Every conversation seems a little different. Every interaction seems like it involves you a little bit more. What if, in somehow in God's crazy plan, you were the rescuer God sent for that person you're going to bump into tomorrow? And you're the only Jesus they're ever going to meet. So here's what we learn in life. Every day I bump into people, ready? In what we do. So how many of you would say, I work around people and a lot of them don't go to the church and don't know the Lord? Raise your hand. All right, good, good number of you guys. I don't, okay? Everybody that works here at North Star knows Jesus. Aren't you thankful? All right, and so we question at times. But anyway, so everybody here knows Jesus. But when I'm out at a ball field or, or wherever I'm at, man, that's not true. So here's the question. When people meet your life and my life, does my life point them towards the Lord or away from the Lord? That's the question. We're at everybody's crossroads. Mike, that's just making it. It's the plan, ladies and gentlemen. There is no other plan. Do you know that we're one generation away from someone never hearing the name of Jesus? See, it used to be when you grew up, well, somebody's grandparent went to church, a parent went to church. We're living in a generation now where kids' parents and grandparents don't go to church. The only Jesus they may ever see is you. Mike, that's a lot of responsibility. Yes, it is. One of our jobs daily is to look around at those God has put in my path. So we know Paul from writing the New Testament, but at this point, who is in his path? I want you to write down two thoughts, ready? Prisoners and jailers. Those are the only people in his path. That's it. Both of whom, captive audience, right? But, but they are... Y'all didn't get that. But anyways, and so they, they, uh, they were just sort of stuck there. And so they're, they're speaking, but it's not like he's speaking to the aristocrats and the leaders of the, God, I'll share your word when you give me a bigger platform. God goes, I gave you a big platform. Take advantage of that cell I got you in. That's your platform. Look around to those God has put in your path. And I want you to write a little thought. Ready? We're gonna move on. This will change by season in your life, those that God puts in your path. Changes by seasons. As you grow and you, you change your, your path, maybe it's a job change or a neighborhood change or a, a life change or a community change. Some of you ended up just moving here and, and you're like, man, I don't know anybody. Look around for those that God has put in my path. My mom, man, whew, that lady. She worked at the bank. So if you moved into Fayetteville and she was at the main bank there for years, she was there for 36 years, there in that town, if you moved into Fayetteville and you opened a checking account and you went by this for mobile banking, right? You had to go into the bank. She did not see herself as a banker. If you'd ask her, 
What are you there for? God's put me there to help somebody open a checking account and help them know where they need to go spiritually. That's what she would have told you. She just happened to be open a checking account for them or savings account or a mutual fund or whatever. She was ended up doing that. I mean, these poor people, they just wanted to get in and get out. It didn't work that way with mama, all right? And so you're gonna get in and have a little conversation. I mean, her, see, her principle of life is you either hug it or dust it, all right? And so you're gonna get a hug and you're gonna hear a story while you're there. That's the way that she operated. She didn't see herself as a banker. She knew she was gonna meet people that were never gonna darken the door of a pastor's office. But she was gonna be their link to Jesus. That's the way she saw her life. I remember one of our last conversations we were sitting out on the sitting out on the outside our carport and we were telling stories and and uh this lady came by to tell her thank you because you and she didn't know mom was sick but she came by to tell her thank you because years prior mom had showed kindness to her and she ended up giving her life to christ because of mom's kindness at the bank not expecting where you don't expect to meet Jesus at the bank, especially when you're out of money, all right? You especially don't. Then they got a lecture about that too. But anyway, so that's a whole nother deal. God's put you where he's put you for a reason bigger than you. Look at number two. Look up to God in prayer. Look up to God in prayer. If you look to him, I want you to write this down. If you look to him in prayer for others, you will remember him in conversation with others. If you look to him in prayer for others, you will remember him in conversation with others. But here's the way most of our days work. Man, most of our days are scattered, and I mean, they're busy, and we hit the ground. This is what we would say. We hit the ground running, and we do. We hit the ground running. We got places to go. We got meetings early. Here's my challenge to you this week. Give me seven days. For seven days, get up five minutes earlier. Not an hour earlier. Get up five minutes earlier. And before you leave your house, ask God, to show you the people in life you need to be praying for. Ask him to show you. You'll be shocked. You'll hear conversations completely different because here's the deal. And this is just, so I'm gonna speak for me. I'm not speaking for you. My life is consumed with me, not others. Are y'all that way? I don't get up thinking about the needs of others. I get up thinking about the needs of Mike. Oh, the drive-through is so long. Oh my gosh, this is the worst. And it's taking me forever to get in. Blah, 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 whatever. But what would happen if our lives were consumed with others? Before you went out that day, you said, God, when I meet this person today, when I run into this person today, when I have this conversation with this person today, God, I want to pray in advance for how I handle it. And maybe God lays somebody on your heart and you're saying, God, I want to have a conversation with this person. I want God open the door to it. The crazy part is, Paul and Silas could have gone, God, we are trying to take your gospel to a new part of Europe. Why are we in a jail cell? But here's what they did. I want you to write this little part down. They took Jesus wherever they went. Jail cell or in front of the, prince and the princes and the rulers. 
They took Jesus wherever they went. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and they were singing hymns to the Lord and the, and the prisoners were listening in. I want you to write a little question down. Ready? Do I love God enough to keep praying for the people that don't know him? Did you write that down? Do I love God enough to keep praying for the people that don't know him? That's a great question. Number three, look out for those in need. Look out. Here's the prayer. I want you to write this down. God, make my heart your heart. Every time I lock eyes with somebody, every time I see them, do I see them the way you saw them? Do I look at them the way you look at them? If Jesus were here, what would he do? Mike, that isn't fair. I can't do that. I think you can. And I think he thinks you can. Mike, that's impossible. Yes, for you. But it's not impossible for him. Our job is to be obedient to what God has called us to do. Look out for those in need. The jailer in this story was going to kill himself. He had his sword drawn, and Paul speaks up. He saw the crisis. This guy knew he would be killed if all the prisoners got out. And he goes, I ain't going to let that happen. Saul, Paul speaks up, and he begins to tell him, and this guy ends up coming to know Jesus because of Paul and Silas being there. You are not where you are by accident. God has a plan for you. He knew you'd be in that barbershop. He knew you would be in that architect's office. He knew you would be in that medical office. He knew that you would be at that bank. He knew you would be closing that deal on the house. He knew you would be on that sales call. He knew that was going to be your roommate. He knew that was going to be your teammate. Only for a short season. Paul and Silas weren't going to end their journey in the jail, but they were there for that one night. What if they had squandered that one night? God, did you blew this. We wanted to be there, not here. You would have had a whole family not know the gospel. Now, I want you to think about this. What if God had answered their first prayer? and they went where they wanted to go. Do you know that the gospel spread to, to Europe because they got sent there, not here? You and I may not be sitting in this room. We may have never heard. Point number four, look for an opportunity to talk about your faith. Look for an opportunity to talk about your faith. Everybody look at me. Number one thing a person would say to me there, Mike, I don't know what to say. Mike, I'm afraid I'll say something wrong. I don't want to say something wrong. I don't want to make them go to a cult because they met me, right? I don't want to send them off the deep end because they're like, they're stupid, all right? I mean, I don't want, I don't want that said about me, so therefore we say nothing. Here's what I will tell you. I've been doing this since 1991, 28 years I have never met somebody trying to say something right that said something wrong. 
Here's the greatest thing you can do. Let me just set you free. Tell them your story. Here's what Jesus did for me. Man, I heard you mention you're going through a divorce. Here's what Jesus did for me. I heard you just mention that you lost a loved one. Here's what Jesus did for me. Here's what Jesus, would you come with me to church? Man, I'd love to invite you to be my guest. I'll take you out to lunch. McDonald's has a great sale on Sundays. I'll take you and we'll get you a Big Mac, a small fry and a water. All right, and so, but I'll, I'll take you out to lunch. Let's think about this. What's the worst thing somebody could tell you? No, that's okay. How many of y'all believe heaven's a real place? If you believe heaven's a real place, say amen. I do too. But I believe there's a place outside heaven too. And it's called hell for a reason because it's separated from God. You are somebody's lifeline. Mike, I don't have any purpose in my life. God doesn't think so. Mike, I don't do everything right. Nobody else does either. Mike, I make mistakes. So do other people. I make mistakes. I vowed this year, I'm not going to yell at umpires anymore. I did. I, that was a, a decision that I made. I got a friend sitting right there. And I, the other day, I yelled out, this is terrible. And Casey looked at me like, you failed your vow. All right? And so you, you, you blew it, Dad. You blew it. It wasn't that call. But anyway, so we all, listen, we all make mistakes. But are you trying to let God use you? You are somebody's rescuer. You may not lead them to Christ, but you may be part of their story for them coming to the Lord. How many of you today, now you don't have to raise your hand, but I want you to nod. There's somebody in your journey, if they hadn't been in your journey, you wouldn't be sitting in this room. If that's true for you, would you just nod? It may have been a wife, it may have been a husband, it may have been a friend, it may have been a co-worker, it may have been a teammate. I was sitting with a little girl this weekend at our house that's in, in town visiting with Mary Michael, and she's a new believer, and she was telling us her story. It was somebody that pointed her to Jesus. Would you pray with me? be sitting in the room today and you said, Mike, I'm here because of somebody. I've never met Jesus, but I want to today. I'd love to lead you in a prayer. We led it over Easter weekend. We led it almost every Sunday here at North Star. And it goes like this, dear Lord Jesus, I need you. God, I need you so bad. I believe you live for me. Would you pray that? I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again just for me. Step into my heart, Lord Jesus, and be my personal Lord and Savior. If you prayed that prayer with me for the first time, I'll tell you in a couple minutes. Steph's going to tell you in True North Chapel what that means. Many of us, we've made that step. Now our part of the plan is to help others find their way home. God, may 
our lives be only about you. We do the work we do with excellence and with integrity and effort. But we do it because it's the gifts you gave us. Whether it's carrying a football on an NFL field or holding a door as a principal of a school. You put us where you put us for a reason bigger than us. Father, may that purpose today be only Jesus. And if we live that way, we won't be able to build enough buildings to hold the people that are looking for their way.